Today, you're going to laugh. <laughs> My, how you're going to laugh. Then you will learn the history of Advent. You'll also learn about the biblical foundation of the season of Advent. Or maybe you won't. Anyway, we'll talk about what's the proper greeting during this season, what color to use, when to sing particular songs, all on the way to answering the question, Advent is coming. Should I be angry? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. (laughs) Okay, all right, I'll give you just a moment to stop laughing. I know. I know, I shouldn't be so gosh darn funny just right from the start. Humor like that can really overwhelm a person, can't it? I mean, the word Advent means coming. So when I titled this episode, Advent is Coming, it's such a darn clever double entendre. I bet you nearly split a seam laughing. Am I right? Wow. Isn't religious humor just amazingly funny? So Advent is the Christian season just before Christmas. It used to be a season observed among the more liturgically focused churches, and many of the denominations that are more word-focused, less liturgically focused, might not have had a season of Advent at all. So in days of old, Catholics, Anglicans, Lutherans, churches like that all historically observed Advent, while, say, denominations like the Baptist traditionally did not. I won't say exclusively didn't, but traditionally didn't. Interestingly, though, there are a lot of Christians of all sorts of denominations now that observe the season of Advent, so you really can't easily sort out who does and who doesn't anymore. So first, a little history. Advent began in the 4th century as a preparation for not Christmas, but Epiphany. And in days of old, back in those times, Epiphany, by tradition, was the day in which new Christians were to be baptized into this new faith. Quick reminder here, December 25th, obviously Christmas Day, which is followed by 12 days of celebrating Christmas, which constitutes the Christmas season, which is immediately followed by Epiphany on January 6th. Anyway, the church often reserved Epiphany as the date for baptizing new Christians. Then, the season of Advent developed as a season of preparation for those who were to be baptized. Now, eventually, Advent migrated into a season of preparation for the coming of Christ. Now, Christ obviously had already come. So at this point in history, Advent was about the preparation not for the first coming of Christ, but for the second coming of Christ. Ultimately, Advent became what we know it to be today, which is a season of preparation and expectation, not really so much focused any longer on the second coming. There's an element of that. But really, the way Advent is used by most of us today, is preparing ourselves and our world for the celebration of the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ into our lives anew with each annual celebration of Jesus' birth. 
Now, let me say that Advent is not biblical. None of its traditions are biblical. Now, that doesn't make them wrong, and we read lots of Bible as we observe Advent. It just means that we should relax a little when we discuss traditions associated with this season. So the question, should I be angry, is really associated with the traditions I have known and experienced in my own denomination. Now, I'm going to obviously give this podcast, and throughout it, I'm really talking about my own experience. So if you listen to something here and you go, well, that's not the experience in my church, that's perfectly okay, because I'm quite sure that if I were to interview ministers of different denominations, I would wind up with a wide array of Advent traditions that are important enough to people to spark their, well, let's say to spark their passionate response. Yeah, that's it. If Advent isn't observed just the way they expect it to be. Now, there are no right or wrong ways to observe the season of Advent. But I thought this might be an interesting way to look at some of the traditions in which people are deeply invested in what they believe it should be, at least for them. I went to a party recently and was cornered by a fellow who, well, since I was an ordained minister, wanted to share with me something that was quite remarkable. He was, by his own admission, a devout Christian who had single-handedly figured out what was wrong with the world, our nation, and Christianity. He was on a one-man mission to force feet, I mean to share with everyone his vision. One of the principal problems he cited is that people in the United States are not willing to say Merry Christmas between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. As he described this state of affairs, he was rather bothered by it, upset by it, noticed that it was what was wrong with and weakening our religious culture and our churches. And I couldn't help think about my own denomination as he was speaking. One, the tradition I came from has a totally different view of this issue. My tradition, which is the Episcopal Church, tends to avoid saying Merry Christmas before Christmas. Now, let me explain our thinking, and I'll just use a family example. I grew up in a household that celebrated birthdays. That doesn't make me unique. I imagine most of you did that, too. We would, for an annual celebration of a birthday, invite over guests for a party or perhaps put up some party decorations. We would certainly sing happy birthday. We'd give gifts to the person who was celebrating the day. We'd wish the person happy birthday. And all of this happened on the birthday. Never, not once ever, did we do this two, three, four, six, eight weeks beforehand. There's something wonderful about the sweet anticipation of a special event that we keep ourselves from celebrating early and we wait for the actual time to come. In my tradition, the celebration of Jesus' birthday is much the same. We hold off saying, Merry Christmas. We hold off wishing the world a happy Jesus' birthday until the day has actually arrived. So the person who was speaking to me at this party who lamented the secularization of Christmas because people wouldn't say it between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But within my tradition, we're trying to combat the secularization of Christmas by not giving in to the world that wants us to start the Christmas season earlier and earlier. Look, 
We're all keenly aware that the train has left the station on that one. We have no expectation that somehow our behavior within, say, the Episcopal Church is going to cause the world to quit wishing each other Merry Christmas in the weeks leading up to the day. We have no illusion that we are turning back the hands of time or that we're going to change all of our culture to conform to what we do. But we very much have decided that our church services during that period of time that we call Advent, during those weeks leading up to Christmas, are going to be a refuge from the rushing of early Christmas celebration. Now, does everyone in my tradition, and what I really mean by that is, do the members of the Episcopal Church, all of them like this? No, because we come from all sorts of different walks, all sorts of different backgrounds. No, we regularly have people who've joined us some from other denominations that didn't do Advent and who are frustrated with the fact that we steadfastly refuse to celebrate Christmas until, well, Christmas. I had half a dozen members of my old church who would angrily say, Merry Christmas to me as they exited the church during Advent in order to make the point that they weren't on board with all this silliness of not saying Merry Christmas until Christmas. Which now brings me, let's talk about music, brings me to Christmas carols. We don't sing Christmas carols in our churches until, you guessed it, Christmas. This tradition is controversial for a totally different reason. I think if a lot of our parishioners actually like the fact that we sing music that is Advent-focused during the season of Advent. After all, we're all bombarded with Christmas music pretty much everywhere we go in those weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. Here's the problem. And I will admit, it's a real one. Because in our churches, we don't celebrate Christmas until Christmas. I think I've made that point clear now. So we don't sing any Christmas carols until our Christmas services. So Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we gather together for worship and boldly and joyfully sing all the carols that we've been waiting to sing. And it is glorious. Now, As I've already said, so I'm sure you know, Christmas is not just a day. Christmas is a season, and it lasts for 12 days. So any service that occurs during those 12 days is also a Christmas celebration. So let's use this year's calendar as an example. December 25th happens on a Saturday this year. So the day after Christmas, December 26th, is, of course, a Sunday. And since that Sunday is a day that occurs within the Christmas season, we will, in our church, celebrate it as a Christmas celebration. We'll sing Christmas carols on that day, too. And a week later, another Sunday will come around, and it, too, will be within the Christmas season, and again, we will sing Christmas carols. Now, if you are a Christian, I'm sure you will agree that if ever there were a birth that deserves 12 days, at least, of celebration, it is the birth of Jesus. But the reality is that pretty much every one of us has Christmas carol fatigue on the Sundays following Christmas. I won't say that the carols make people angry, but most people in our culture have been so bombarded with this stuff leading up to Christmas, and they love it on Christmas Day. We, as I said, wonderfully, joyfully, loudly sing Christmas carols on Christmas Day. But we're pretty much done 
and ready to move on immediately afterwards. And I get that. I wish it weren't true, but I get it. I even experienced the same thing personally. Okay, so let's talk color now. In my tradition, we use color to help bring focus to special seasons and days that occur in the Christian calendar. So, Easter and Christmas are white. Good Friday is black. Lent, which is the season leading up to Easter, is purple. And Advent, well, for many of our older parishioners, they remember that Advent used to be purple. So, we used to use the same color for Advent and for purple. We eventually decided that Lent is a penitential season and that Advent, well, really isn't a penitential season, but is a season of preparation and expectancy. So the vestment colors, the hangings that we use in our churches for Advent has changed over the years from purple to blue. Now, not all churches have made this change, but most of the ones I'm aware of have, have changed from purple to blue for the season of Advent. Even the candles on our Advent wreaths have changed from purple to blue. So why this color? Well, Lent gets purple because purple was historically the color of royalty. Jesus is our king. Lent is obviously associated with Jesus, so Lent gets purple. Traditionally, blue has been the color of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Look at almost any of the ancient, older Christian art depictions of Mary, and you will see that she's wearing blue. Matter of fact, it's really useful because sometimes if you walk into a church and you're looking at a window, you can tell who was Mary. Obviously, you don't know what her face looked like, but you can tell who was Mary because it's going to be the woman who's wearing blue. So it makes sense that when she is the one who's literally expecting during Advent, that we adopt her traditional color during the season as our liturgical color of expectancy. But again, there are still people who adamantly use purple candles because, well, that's what they grew up with. And in my ministry, it was an unusual year that I didn't hear from at least someone who wanted us to return to the color purple because, because they considered it to be more traditional. Probably the most vocal anger I dealt with during the season of Advent was a response to my decision to quit using a pink candle in the Advent wreath. It was just one person, but boy, was she upset. It was not unusual in older times, and you'll still see churches do this, particularly of other traditions, to use a pink candle in their Advent wreaths for the third Sunday of Advent. Now, let me tell you the history of this. This was mostly done when the color of Advent was still purple and Advent was seen as, well, more like Lent. It was a time of fasting and self-denial. The pink candle signified what was called Gaudete Sunday, or that's a Latin word for rejoice, rejoice Sunday. In other words, it was a Sunday in which the fasting lightened for a single day during Advent. I decided to remove the pink candle because well, we're no longer fasting during Advent. So a candle reminding us that we could lighten up our fast really no longer made sense. The anger I received was from someone who believed that the pink candle was the Mary candle, and I was removing this important tradition of honoring Mary. Now, in that particular conversation, I tried to explain that 
the blue of the other candles was really honoring Mary far more than the pink candle. And I will say that we never came to a meeting of the minds on this one, which is okay. I imagine this person still has a pink candle in her Advent wreath at home, and when she lights it, she gives thanks for Jesus's mother on that day. And if that's her tradition, really, that's wonderful. Now, let me say the point of this podcast is really twofold. First, we sometimes, in all sorts of churches, get a little too wrapped up in our holy day, holy season traditions. Sometimes. Both within our houses of worship, but let's be honest, also sometimes within our homes. We have high expectations about a holy day, a holiday, a season needs to be celebrated with exactly these traditions or it will not be valid as the season we need it to be. I will never forget that I once had a parishioner chew out our organist in a rather unpleasant way because he didn't play her favorite hymn on Easter morning. Now, Easter is the holiest and most sacred day in the Christian year. And chewing someone out because you didn't get what you wanted as a part of the service, well, well, kind of seems antithetical to the spirit of the day and the celebration we're trying to have, to me. So the traditions of Advent or Christmas or any holy season or day are wonderful, as long as we don't allow the importance of the traditions to eclipse the meaning and the significance of the actual celebration. Second point of this podcast is that Advent is a season worth preserving in some way in our own lives. Now, if you don't do it, does it make you less of a Christian? Absolutely not. But Advent is really nothing more than committing to making sure that we are preparing ourselves for the coming celebration of Jesus' birthday and staying focused on what it's really all about. And Advent can have any tradition that works for you and helps you do that. It can be as simple as lighting the Advent wreath on your dinner table at mealtime, or maybe during mealtime reading a short piece of scripture as you gather around the table. If you have a manger, when you set it up, you could choose not to put Jesus out. So you put the other figures out, but you don't put Jesus out until Christmas Day, so that every time you look at that manger scene and you realize Jesus isn't there, that is a reminder for you that Jesus isn't here yet and we're still in the time of preparation. You create a playlist of Advent music that you listen to during your commute to and from work. Look, no one has to do any of this. All I'm doing is offering you some thoughts about the season of Advent, what it is intended to be, and what might be helpful to you to keep this season in perspective. Any simple tradition that keeps our focus on the we are waiting for it and the it hasn't happened yet reality of Christmas can be very helpful in preparing ourselves for the arrival of the Christ child in our lives anew this year. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, 
just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me by email, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. That's dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.